In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I think that I have mentioned here before my total lack of athletic coordination. Well, I think my awkwardness was, awkwardness was probably most on display while I was in high school. I made the foolish decision to join the diving team. One of my friends was on it, and I had had some moderate improvement in gymnastics, and I thought, well, why not combine gymnastics with water? Well, I had always loved also that thrill of standing at the edge of a diving board, conquering the fear of heights and the fear of whatever stood next, and then letting go and diving. Well, I wear these awfully thick glasses for a reason, and I couldn't exactly dive into the water wearing them, could I? So one day, as I was practicing my dives, I took a great big blind leap off the diving board. I got a lot of air. I went up, 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 and then down, down, down. And somehow, I managed to have forgotten to put my hands in front of my face to protect it. As I hit the surface of the water, I felt a stab of pain in my face. And when I came up for air, everything felt strangely loose. I straggled out of the pool, and my teammates urged me to run to the locker room. And when I got up really close to the mirror... I saw that my bloodied nose looked very different than it had before. Thankfully, my injury wasn't so bad. But I was a silly thing, a silly young thing with a sense of adventure. And my blind dive was foolish by anyone's perspective. So today, as we look again at the first letter to the Corinthians... We hear Paul bring up foolishness and wisdom from different perspectives as he gets to the heart of the matter for Christians, the cross of Jesus Christ. Whether you are Jewish or Greek, Chinese or a New Yorker, whether you are from Ghana or from Alabama or from Greenland or Brazil, God's wisdom revealed to us in the cross of Christ seems like foolishness. God's wisdom feels like folly to our fallen human common sense, just like my dive was definite folly. Well, in verse 23, St. Paul calls the truth of Christ a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. The Jewish people of Jesus' day were utterly scandalized by the message of the cross because they could not conceive that their long-awaited King and Messiah would die the death of a man cursed by God. The Jewish law imposes a strict rule surrounding a certain kind of execution, saying that any man who is hanged on a tree was considered cursed by God. Indeed, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, 
It says that such a corpse must not be left overnight on a tree because then the curse of God upon it would transfer to the land itself that held that tree aloft. How then could the Jews look at Jesus as their Lord? Certainly not with human wisdom. Only God could reveal this truth to their minds that Jesus underwent such a shameful death in order to mercifully lift the curse of the condemnation for sin that lies upon the back of every human being. The cross of Jesus Christ is scandalous for some. And then for the Greeks and the other Gentiles of Jesus' day, it was completely idiotic to buck the power and rule of the Roman Empire. With the conquering Roman legions had come relative peace, even to the very edges of the empire. Rome enforced its peacekeeping with a very fierce violence. What man would be stupid enough to be caught stealing or rebelling against Rome when the punishment involved public humiliation and torturous death? Only God could break through the Greeks' stubborn human minds to reveal his wisdom. Jesus, indeed, took upon himself the grim consequences of all the rule-breaking that this world has ever known. The cross of Jesus Christ is folly for some. And if the cross of Christ is folly to those who are around us, and even sometimes it seems like folly to we ourselves, and we are, as Christians, we are fools in the world's eyes, too. Here in Alabama, Christians might not experience the same kind of intensity of that derision for following a crucified Savior as someone in a clearly anti-Christian context might feel. And yet, you, like me, may have seen raised eyebrows from your peers when your faith was made known to them. What is it, then, that makes us believe in what appears foolish to others? And is our leap of faith like my silly blind dive? This week, each one of us in Birmingham found ourselves on a kind of precipice, didn't we? Standing, like maybe on a diving board, forced to decide what to do in the face of our totally unexpected snowstorm. Well, what did you do? Did you stay or did you go? If you were like me, you weighed all your options for hours. I waited too long. And you looked at the weather, you looked at the traffic patterns before you finally decided. Or maybe you knew that you needed to be on the road as soon as possible to beat all the traffic in the first wave home. Or you might have felt as though you didn't actively decide. You were just swept along in the course of events. Well, the decision to receive what it is that God has done for us in Jesus Christ doesn't always feel like a well-thought-out decision. For some people, it might. But for many, there is no clear point of decision-making. Or maybe that point is only visible in hindsight. For me though, believing in the good news of Christ crucified 
feels in some ways like a wild dive off a precipice, or even more likely like a push from behind. Belief in the cross of Christ seems foolish from an earthly perspective, but God's wisdom is not like human wisdom. His ways are higher than our ways. If believing in a crucified Christ is anything like jumping off that high dive, then we have no reason to ultimately fear. This dive of Christian faith is no blind dive for two reasons. First of all, God has already taken the plunge himself. C.S. Lewis describes God as a diver who prepares himself and then glances in mid-air. Then he's gone with a splash, vanished, rushing down, down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like regions of ooze and slime and old decay, and then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. He and it are both colored now that they have come back up into the light, down below where it lay colorless in the dark. God, too, lost his color. God's divinity is counterintuitive to us. He is a God who empties himself of all that is his by right. The great 20th century theologian Karl Barth wrote, He is God in the fact that he can give himself up and does give himself up, not merely to the creaturely limitation, but to the suffering of the human creature, becoming one of us, himself bearing the judgment under which we stand, willing to die, and in fact, dying the death which we have deserved. In Jesus, God deigned to dive down deep into our humanity to rescue us. So second, the depth of God's mercy to us in Christ Jesus is boundless. And so our leap of faith is no blind dive. We don't even have to dive correctly. Because as we throw ourselves upon the mercy of God extended through Jesus Christ, we leave behind the familiar pattern of anxiety and fear, the need to be right. We forego our self-righteousness. We let go of the compulsion to justify ourselves based on our status, our achievements, our knowledge, or any other idol that we tend to use to prop up our identity. We just fall. And we take this fall every time we confess our sins. This fall is very often prompted by the trials and troubling circumstances of our lives, whether there's something we've stepped in or the product of our own sin and brokenness. We let go. We let go of pride. The freedom and the joyful thrill of this letting go are the same as my blind dive, even though it is no dive of blindness. 
The dive of faith is a trust fall upon the unplumbed depths of the mercy of God, whose wisdom is far wiser than any human wisdom, whose wisdom even seems like folly to our fallen human common sense. To us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. And as we have nothing, nothing but Christ crucified, then we have everything. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In the words that we just sung by Isaac Watts, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. Amen.